Today on Building the Broncos, Nick and special guest Lance Anderson discuss some potential under-the-radar breakout candidates for the 2018 Denver Broncos. This is Building the Broncos. Welcome to Building the Broncos with your hosts, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall, and while Carl is off in Haiti, I'll be your host. Today we have special guest and new Mile High Huddle analyst, Lance Anderson. Lance, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Doing all right, Nick. How are you today, man? I am just hoping that we can get this going. We've already tried it once, and the, the sound wasn't the best, so we're, we're doing it again. And We're just here to – we want you listeners to have the best podcast possible, so we're, we're – tweaking it and hopefully figuring it out. Well, little do they know that this is actually run like what 300 or something like that, I think, or at least that's what it feels like. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) So hopefully this one will be good to go, but building the Broncos focuses all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos with Lance, Carl and myself being armchair GMs. We will bring in you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player values, scheme and personnel fits and general football related banter. Follow myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH and Lance at Lansing 2009. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at Mile High Huddle, a part of 24-7 Sports and an affiliate of CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go to take the time and go to iTunes or speaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get on to our first topic here, we want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. With summer here now and many people having summer vacations, listening to music's fine, but you could definitely should expand your knowledge base, especially as it comes to football. And Audible has a selection of football books as well. So make sure you check out Audible and use the backslash huddle up. All right, well, we have Lansing on here today. Carl is off. So I asked Lance what sort of topics he wanted to do today, and he wanted to talk about some potential breakout candidates. And so we have a list. We kind of went back and forth for a bit trying to pick some out. We didn't really want to do any rookies or anything like that. So one of the first names that we came to is a guy that I'm a big fan of, D'Angelo Henderson, running back previously of Coastal Carolina, had a great career down there and really wasn't given too much of a chance last year, but when he did, he flashed, and I'm excited about his potential this season. That's uh, that's pretty much the name of the game of the 2017 NFL draft class for the Broncos. A lot of potential, boomer bust potential. We're seeing Garrett Bowles come into his own second-year player out of uh, Utah. Uh, he was really, really boomer bust coming out of Utah, really raw, and he really needed to develop super athletic. Brendan Langley, another one that we were going to talk about here in just a little bit, super raw, super athletic, really needs to get some good coaching underneath him. And D'Angelo Henderson was probably the most experienced, if not for Isaiah McKenzie, of the draft picks that came out last year. Uh, He did have over 800 total touches at Coastal Carolina. 
and averaged 6.4 yards per carry during his career there. So big play potential here, a really stout runner, smaller, runs with really good power for his size, shakes around a little bit, can get around the edge and get upfield quickly, really likes to lower his shoulder and and put the hurt on the defense as well. That's something I really like about this kid. Yeah, and the previous iteration of this podcast, you compared him to Maurice Jones-Drew. And while I do like the Maurice Jones-Drew comparison, personally, I'm going to go with somebody a little bit more current. And I like Devonta Freeman as a potential fit. I think Freeman's got a little bit more juice, but very similar frame, kind of that slashing style and potential to be an all-around back. Or Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's much more nuanced as a receiver right now, but those are some guys that are valuable running backs in today's NFL. So I'm excited. Also, Henderson, not only was he, you know, very effective with how he touched the ball, you know, over 6.4 yards per carry, but 58 touchdowns on the ground, including a sophomore year campaign where he had 20 touchdowns on the ground, and then the next two with 16 and 16. This guy knew how to get in the end zone. So that's really exciting. Honestly, I'm surprised he doesn't have a little bit more wiggle. He has some jitterbug to him in the open space, but sometimes I feel like he thinks he is Leonard Fournette and he's looking to lower the shoulder and drive for some extra yards. And I love that leg turn, you know, get a few extra yards, but I'm a little bit worried about long-term durability with that mentality. And I'm also worried because he fumbled the ball a lot in college and he fumbled the ball last year in preseason. And it was a reason that I think it's a, I think it's one of the reasons he was inactive so many games as well, but he's shown some all around skill set. He has solid hands, agility in the open field, willingness to pass protect, which is half the battle, but He's small. He's had a lot of touches. He fumbles a lot. He's older, too. I think he's going to be 26 this season. So for a second-year player, he's already going to be 26 for a position that, again, doesn't have a long shelf life in the NFL. That's that's something to note. And his pass protection technique could stand to get a little bit better. But I do like that the willingness is there. Yeah, he really likes to to get his nose in there. He's not scared of contact. He's, he's not scared to to get his hands on on blitzers and, and deliver a nice pop, but he really does need to work on getting his hips down. And I agree with you in, on the, the first version of this. You said uh, he needs to get better running routes out of the backfield. However, uh, for his potential as a receiver is, is definitely there. He's got solid hands. He catches the ball very well. Doesn't really lose momentum coming out of the catch. And he actually did score six more touchdowns through the air at Coastal Carolina as well. So there is potential there for him to be a, a third down back coming coming into this season. It'd be really nice. Uh, I think he's going to be competing with Philip Lindsay for a lot of the plays. Probably Lindsay might get him as far as a roster slot goes because maybe make more of an impact because of the return aspect of his game. But Henderson's going to be really nice as a rotational player. He's he's different than Booker. He's different than Freeman. He's smaller, shiftier, I think, anyways, and really it has a different style of running than what Booker and Freeman do. Both of those guys are really kind of get lateral and then one cut, go downhill. Henderson's that jukey, shifty, kind of nasty little scat back. And for his thick waist and ability to be able to have that that nice little jump cut that he's got, it's going to be a pretty decent weapon for the Broncos moving forward. I am excited about him just because he really compliments the other backs as well. Royce looks more like a, a guy who can absorb a lot of touches, a lot of carries, and run between the tackles. He does have a little bit of burst around the outside, especially if he gets back down to his sophomore playing weight, but I think he's got that. And Devontae Booker is more of an all-around type, but he doesn't have the speed or the the explosion that I see out of D'Angelo Henderson. So really excited about that. And Denver hasn't had much of an explosive running back option in a while. I mean, Ronnie Hillman was touted as a big, very explosive running back, a home run threat, as they say, and well, that just that just never came to fruition. And again, we we talked about this on the first one. Tatum Bell, a guy who all this home run ability, but 
just falls down because somebody sneezed on him. So Henderson, he doesn't have that ability, or he does have that ability to get out of it. Henderson does have that ability to shake the tackles. And one thing that him and Tatum Bell did have a lot in common is while they are still considered home run threats, they put the ball on the ground, man. So I think the last real good explosive running back that we had was, was Tatum or uh, excuse me, Clinton Portis. Uh, we, we spoke about that earlier. Um, Clinton Portis was that, that kind of guy that could take off. He ran what, like four, two, eight or four, two, nine or something, just unridiculously fast running back and had 1500 yards back-to-back seasons was rookie of the year in what was it 2002 or 2003 I think and losing him even though we got Champ Bailey out of that that's that's probably the best running back the Broncos have had since Terrell Davis and he wasn't even around very long yeah I I agree Clinton Portis was great but thank God that we traded him for Champ Bailey that's that's all I can really say Champ it was just his birthday last week and man I've Terrell Rivas his peak years were incredible but i'm definitely biased here i'll be biased champ bailey probably the best cornerback i've ever seen in my life i would definitely agree with you on that there's i mean you got patrick peterson richard sherman those guys are playing really good football now but i don't think that anybody was as as truly locked down could move both sides of the field and actually play the way that champ bailey could it it sucks that we lost portis he was one of my favorite players as a kid but champ bailey is definitely up there i mean he's a hall of fame player he's gonna be in the hall of fame here in probably two or three years whenever he's eligible first ballot guy yes first class ballot. act leader in the in the locker room so i don't know it, it it was definitely a win-win for both parties and we'll see what we got moving forward here yeah exactly the only defensive back slash cornerback i could think you could make an argument for over champ bailey is charles woodson that that's it so, I mean, Daryl Rebus had those good peak, but I don't think he had the longevity. So, Champ Bailey, no. if he's not a first ballot, then we can confirm that the Hall of Fame is biased against the Broncos. Oh, we've Broncos. already known that, Nick. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, it's like, Champ Bailey, this is, this is where I draw the line. I'm giving them one more chance. If not, I am going to Canton, and we are going to raise some heck. I'm not going to cuss on here, but we're going to raise some heck. Mile High Huddle, we're going to go just yell at some Hall of Fame voters or something. I don't know. It's I'm, Something's got to give. I'm down. I'm yeah. down. Literally uh, one article of- a day. Speaking of that secondary, though, uh, another impact guy that I want to see step up moving forward, a guy we just traded for earlier this offseason in Sua Cravens, the safety linebacker, dimebacker, as you like to call him, uh, from Washington, 2016 NFL draft pick, number 53 overall. He's going to be 23 years old in less than a month, so he's still got some youth to him and is uh, one of of my more favorite players from the 2016 draft. John Elway actually called him a – a potential first-round pick. They said they had a first-round grade on him and then went with Paxton Lynch instead. But, Nick, what do you think about Sue Cravens? I don't think I'm as big of a fan of Cravens himself as you are. He's a good player. I think that he probably went in the right spot of the draft, maybe even a little bit earlier than I would have taken him because while he does have a unique skill set, and I pound the table for that dimebacker spot, it's so important in today's NFL because you got to have guys that can play man coverage, still protect against the run in the box and, you know, line up against these freak tight ends and running backs that are crazy good receiving options nowadays. Cravens though, he did not test well. That's the biggest thing. And I know tape over testing, but he a lot of thresholds. He just didn't hit his three cone was solid and he has good size. We have our mock draftable web pulled up here and I had put him up against the safeties instead of the linebackers. And you can look at it two ways. I guess I'll, maybe I'll be the pessimist here, you know, two Small to be a full-time linebacker, not athletic enough to be a full-time safety. But at the same time, he's definitely way more athletic than most linebackers. And he's way bigger than most safeties. So, you know, you take it either way. It's a, it's an emerging position in today's NFL. 
And I'm, I'm excited about his usage for sure. They, the Broncos also, you know, they traded up some picks to get him and they also gave up a 2020 conditional six round pick. So not sure what exactly what the conditions are, but I'm guessing if he stays on the Broncos and it's such that's two years away and a low pick, I'm guessing the Redskins will get that role, but I'm excited for Cravens, especially because what he's going to bring to the defense that we missed last year with TJ Ward being gone. Yeah, that that big physicality, wanting to stick your nose in there and, and attack in the running game. Uh, Craven's solid blitzer. He he really knows how to pick his holes and has some good bursts coming through. And when he hits, he packs a wallet, man. It's just it's so much fun to watch him play when he's coming forward. Uh, he does a really good job, as I said, blitzing, getting into the sticking his nose in there and and blowing plays up. He's very very physical. Uh, I like the the way that he's not scared to get in there. He can also match up with running backs and tight ends. Uh, There's actually a play that I wanted to talk about really quick with you. Last year, the season opener, Todd Davis got burned by Melvin Gordon on an angle route out of the backfield. And it went for, I think it was like a 29-yard touchdown or something like that. Cravens, when he played in Washington, had that same route. I think it was against Shane Vereen. Correct me if I'm wrong where Vereen came on that angle route out of the backfield and Craven stepped right in front of it, read it beautifully the entire way, stepped right in front of the pass and picked it off inside of the New York Giants territory at that particular point. It was a, it was a big turnover, and that's something that the Broncos have been missing since Danny Trevathan left. Absolutely. They need somebody in that box that can cover. And I, I love Brandon Marshall. I love Todd Davis. But last year, they I just think they needed a player that could complement them in dime and nickel situations. And that's just the way the NFL is going. I mean, you need more speed. There's more receiving threats than ever. And with the spread concepts starting to emerge in the NFL, you need guys that can be versatile in that back end. And I think that's what Cravens can bring. The thing, you know, we talked about him not being super athletic, at least I did for the safety position, a little bit small, but he does play physical. I do like his ability to get off blocks. If he doesn't get him off right away, you know, he's a very violent hand punch to hopefully disengage with some guys and can be slippery. But if he doesn't get that first initial jolt, he sometimes can be engulfed. But I mean, again, he's 220 pounds playing in the box. So that's going to happen sometimes. But his instincts are great. I hardly ever see him take false steps. He keeps his hips squared and he does a good job of just zone awareness. He stays in a spot and he can keep his eyes on the quarterback. He can make plays on the ball because of that. And then not only that, but he has the hands to come down with the football and turnovers are king. You know, you're not giving up points as big as well for a defense, but I would argue that turning the ball over is equally as important as the amount of points you give up. If your defense is going to be great. Yeah. And that was something that the Broncos struggled with last year. I think they finished what tied with uh, Cleveland for last place in, in turnover differential or their was definitely down at the bottom. Having someone that can get their hands on the football and, and give it back to the offense is definitely going to be key. This defense really needs to get back to that swarming turnover heavy mentality like they were in 2015. Getting Josie Jewell in there uh, as well as as far as the coverage linebacker goes. We'll see what we can get with uh, Tremaine Brock and Bradley Roby stepping in for a keep to lead. But I mean, just just having the ability to get someone in there that lays good hits and gets his hands on the football and, and gets the ball on the ground for a defensive player, that's that's going to that's gonna be a huge get for the Broncos. Yeah, and what I think I'm most curious about is not, you know, can he play, can he not play? Cravens can play as long as he's, you know, his heart's in it, which there are some questions there at Washington, but it seems like he's renewed his love, and I love, absolutely love his and Justin Simmons' bromance, which is very obvious on Twitter. But it's oh, yeah. how does he fit? 
with the current set of safeties that the Broncos have. I mean, you have Justin Simmons out there, and it's, in my opinion, Justin Simmons is one of the best young emerging safeties in the NFL. He's super young, super intelligent, very good athlete, and I think he's blossoming into a top 10, top 15 safety this season. But Stewart is another guy. I mean, are you taking off Stewart to put in Cravens as a strong safety in your base defense? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're going to do that so much this year. I'm sure they'll rotate it. They'll change packages and see what happens. But Simmons is a guy that definitely has to be out there. Are you taking Stewart off the field for Cravens? I'm not sure. And then I can even take it a step further where, you know, in the past, the Broncos have been killer with their nickel defense because they have three incredible cornerbacks. That's, I mean, no, no offense to Tremaine Brock, Brandon Langley, Isaac Yitam, any of those guys, but that's just not the case this season. After Roby and Chris Harris Jr., it's a pile of question marks. So does that mean that we're going to see more three safety sets where instead of three cornerbacks, we're getting that three safety? There's a lot of things up in the air. Joe Woods has some tools to work with, but it'll be interesting to see how he uses Cravens this year to fill in for TJ Ward and potentially further because Simmons as well. Simmons has shown that he can play some slot corner so it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot of fun to watch how they utilize this secondary. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I really like that big that big nickel look that the Broncos used in 2015, the big nickel, big dime with three safeties on the field. Um, I think that moving Simmons inside to play the cornerback position is going to leave kind of a hole. I don't necessarily like Darian Stewart as the, as the center fielder as much as I do when he's playing in the box and moving around, but he's still got the ability to get back there and actually and be the deep guy in the deep third of the field. So if, if we do see Simmons move inside a lot, yeah, I think he's going to have a lot of success. He, he played really well last year in Miami as the nickel corner. So it, it's going to be fun to see. It's definitely going to be fun to see. That's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really stoked at Simmons and Cravens. I'm hoping that both the guys in the same draft, and I'm hoping that they could be a great duo pairing for the, for years to come on that back end. Cause the no fly zone, while it changes faces, it's got to keep that mentality. So fingers crossed, but keeping it yep. with the no fly zone, Tremaine Brock, a guy we just talked about, now five foot ten, hundred and eighty-eight pounds. He's actually undrafted from Bellhaven University. I'd never heard of it before in my life, so hopefully Bellhaven, Bellhaven, yeah. never heard of her. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's going to be thirty years old in two months, so he's he's an older guy. This will be his ninth year in the league, and he played almost his entire career for the San Francisco 49ers, But he did play for Seattle at the beginning of last year, and then was actually traded to Minnesota. Um, just a one-year, $4 million deal. So we will see what he does this year. The Broncos have made a, a small commitment to him, but it would not be surprising if, I mean, if he didn't make the team as well. It depends on how he plays, and there's some youth that is going to be pushing him. But I got to say, I'm, 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 we've been spoiled. I've been spoiled, but we've been spoiled that the Broncos cornerback trio the past few years has been incredible. And then going from Tlaib, Roby, and Chris Harris Jr. to now, you know, those two guys minus to leave and potentially who knows with that second one. I'm a little bit uneasy about the cornerback group, but I'm a, I'm a roster perfectionist, but I'm just a little uneasy. And I can understand why Langley is extremely raw. We've already discussed that. Isaac Yidem is uh, better suited to be on the outside. Chris Harris Jr. is going to be amazing as always. But the, the real question is, is who's going to step up for that third cornerback position? I mean, Brock's playing he played pretty well in San Francisco. He's one of the better nickel cornerbacks in the league, if you believe what Pro Football Focus has to say, which I like their grading system, but they're not the be-all, end-all for anything. He's he's smooth, smooth in his hips, smooth in his lower body. He can turn and run really well, even though he did seem to fall off last year, not quite nearly having the burst. 
He drives on the ball really hard. Uh, he plays way bigger than his, his listed size at 5'10", 188. He looks and almost hits like a guy that's Sewer Cravens is size 6'1", 220. He wraps up really well, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I like Brock. I've never really had any uh, problem with him, but at 30 years old, nine years in the league, he's aging. He's starting to slow down a little bit, and he had a really bad year last year in Minnesota. He had six tackles in 11 games that he played, zero starts, and that was playing behind a 41-year-old Terrence Newman. So there's that. Take that for what it, what it's worth. And just a very, so far, at least to date, very underwhelming Waynes as well, who I believe Minnesota used a first-round pick on. They have Xavier Rhodes, who's, I mean, arguably a top five, top three cornerback in football last year. But yeah, this cornerback group is, I mean, we're really nitpicking here. It's cornerback three, but still, that's that's a starter in today's NFL. Take off you know, Pecco or Todd Davis. I think that third cornerback is more valuable than that second off-ball guy or that nose tackle in today's defenses, especially with how the Broncos play defense. So it'll be interesting. He plays bigger than his size, as you mentioned, and he can be smooth, but I, when I watched him, I, I only watched, I'll be honest, I only watched his games from Minnesota last year, some of his tape from then, and he just, he did not stick out to me at all. You know, and it, granted, again, they had Xavier Rhodes, so they're not throwing to Xavier Rhodes. You know, as they say in Minnesota, Rhodes closed. So we'll see about Tremaine Brock, but I was definitely surprised when they, they signed him. $4 million isn't big, but I thought there were other interesting guys out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned with him, but if he steps up this year, that would be huge because the Broncos have a need for that spot. Yeah, they, they definitely need to have someone step up and fill Aqib Tlaib's shoes. Uh, Bradley Roby is obviously the guy that's primed to do that, uh, battling with Brock for the second corner. But, I mean, when you when you take away Tlaib, yes, there's going to be a fall-off there. Uh, and the, the fall-off is going to be at the number two spot um, and then also at the number three spot. Going from Bradley Roby to a 30-year-old Tremaine Brock as your third cornerback – that's actually a pretty significant drop-off. I mean, Roby's primed for this year. He's in his fifth-year option. Uh, he's looking for a new new deal next year, and I think he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid either by Denver or a lot of money by someone else to be uh, the number one guy. That's just how it is. So yeah. Brock really needs to come in, and he needs to step up. He need, that $4 million is not a lot of money, the, and the Broncos can move on from him quickly. I just – I liked the way that he drives on the football. When I, I watched a little bit of his film today so that we could uh, get this get prepared for this. And when he drives on the football, it he takes a lot of chances so he can get burned. But when he drives and he comes through, he, he, he catches the ball very easily, goes the other way quickly, and he doesn't miss many opportunities to get the interception. That's for sure. We will see. I'm, I'm definitely a skeptic when it comes to that, but he's definitely got a big opportunity in front of him. But if he's not careful, the young guys behind them will pass him. And talking about this as well, you just mentioned it, Roby. He's going to be a free agent, quote unquote. You know, we'll see if he has a great year. Then make no mistake, the Broncos will use that franchise tag on him. I, I would be surprised if he has a good year and they don't use it just to buy them some negotiating power. Oh yeah, absolutely. If they have to, yeah. yeah. But that makes cornerback a potential giant need going into next season. So just like edge rusher this past offseason, you know, first pick for the Broncos this year, Bradley Chubb. Edge rusher was a sleepy need for the team long term. And I would argue that with behind Chris Harris Jr., who's definitely getting older, and Roby, who's about to get paid big money, that third cornerback is a need as well. So we'll see what Langley and Yadam do. Those two guys, I think, are the, the biggest question marks for that. But it'll be interesting. Now, we still have a lot to get to. But before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. 
Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we pride ourselves on being able to relay you all the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time. But what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective. All 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluations, and draft analysis, etc., etc. We save our best and our most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and VIP insider forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly or annual option and it'll be loaded in. From there, get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. All right, well, this is somebody that I, I honestly thought about pushing back a little bit when you first mentioned him as a potential breakout guy, but you, you sold me when you said that you thought he could have you know bigger numbers this year in this offense with this system around him. So I, I will take a little bit more of a, a, a true host instead of analysis analyst on this one. And I will give you the floor for Case Keenum. Yeah. I, at first I wasn't necessarily sold on Case Keenum coming in. I was really a big proponent of trying to get Kirk cousins. And uh, if we didn't get cousins, I was all about using that number five overall pick and, even if we had to move up to say number two with the giants to, to get a quarterback. But the more I kind of dove into case Keenum and watched some more of his tape, the more impressed I, I became with this guy. Uh, I'm drafted out of Houston in 2012. He's bounced around the league a few times uh, last year, obviously with Minnesota, he had a really, really, I would say that was kind of his breakout season, but I want to see more from Keenum. And I think that this year with uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, and now we've got, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton stepping into the fold. Jake Butt coming back healthy. I think that with all the options that we've got as far as uh, the offensive weaponry goes, I think Keenum's really going to take another step forward. Um, he brings a veteran presence to the uh, to the locker room. He's a strong leader in the in the locker room. He's already been through a ton of adversity. He got his butt kicked last year by that offensive line. And I mean, when you see him and you you. Yeah, listen to his interviews. He's just got this infectious personality. And the more that the more that I see him, the more that I'm really starting to like him a lot. I actually did some digging on the pro football focus uh, Denver Broncos Twitter feed and found some statistics that really opened my eyes to the potential value that Keenum can bring for you guys. Uh, as far as their adjusted completion percentage when pressured by more than two defenders, he had a 69% adjusted completion percentage. That's a first in the NFL. Uh, second was Kirk Cousins with 68%, uh, Russell Wilson with 66.7, and and so on down the list. That means with uh, offensive line and a state of flux here in Denver the way that it is, not necessarily in my opinion, but if you listen to any other Broncos fan around here, they'll say that the offensive line is still a big question mark. That should be something that you guys should be really thankful for and really excited about because when it, when he gets pressure in his face, he still steps up into the pocket, delivers a good, clean, accurate football, and that is uh, catchable for his wide receivers. Um, as far as a passer rate, when he is under pressure by two plus defenders, uh, 74.6 passer rating, which was fifth in the NFL behind Carson Wentz, uh, Cousins, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and Russell Wilson. So you understand why I could be a little bit excited about what he can bring to this offense, especially after watching Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch struggle for the past couple of years. Yeah, I am excited to see him as well. I'm cautiously optimistic as I've watched him. I just, I feel a little bit of fear as well because, I mean, we've seen guys like Matt Flynn put up big games and then go do nothing elsewhere. So, and he had a good system around him in Minnesota 
there's a reason Shermer was considered the number one coaching candidate this past offseason. But Cousins, or not Cousins, Keenum, at the very least, has really solidified the locker room and brought leadership and a veteran presence, which has been a huge issue the past few off seasons at this time. There's no, there's none of this quarterback battle as a team Simeon team Lynch and radio personalities pulling fans apart. You know, that's just the polarized nature of America these days, I guess, but I'm, I'm excited at least for the direction. Do I have super high hopes for him statistically? Is he going to be a, a pro bowl player? Uh, probably not. I don't think so. Maybe I'm a pessimist. I don't know. But I, I'm excited to see him. He definitely has a chance to be a breakout candidate as well because if he puts up another good year this year and validates how he played in the contract, then I would definitely argue that's a breakout for him. And he has a chance to put up some solid numbers. I think that with the run-heavy style that all the reports are coming out, that that's what the Broncos are going to be doing. And the big defense, you know, obviously the defense is the focal point of this team, this roster, how they're going to win football games. I don't know if he's going to have a huge statistical season, but if he protects the football – and you know, lets his weapons be weapons, then he could have a good season. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I mean, if anybody was listening before, you know that I wasn't a huge proponent of going after Keenum. I thought you know, if you either you're either going all in one way or the other, like you, yep. I was with you, Kirk Cousins, or if not, go identify your quarterback in the draft and go get him. I that said, I'm really excited to have Chubb because outside of quarterback, give me edge rushers all day and interior pass rushers. But I'm excited for Keenum and just having stability in the huddle in the locker room and just having some organizational direction. It, and it's, it's actually kind of impressive how, how quickly Keenum came into this team and did, you know, put that voice out in the locker room and really went over his, his teammates and everything as a career journeyman backup player. It, ever since he's been in the league, he's always been in that, in that quarterback competition and never really got a chance to actually be up and have his voice be heard in a true leadership sense. Well, last year he got a chance to get on the field in an extended time, played well, and everyone started to kind of fall in love with the guy, if you will. And as a career journeyman backup, that really just speaks towards his personality. I don't necessarily think he's a long-term answer, which depending on how he plays this year, he could be a long-term answer, but they didn't they didn't guarantee him a lot. The, the Broncos gave him a two-year, $36 million deal with the first year and what, like a half of the, of the contract guaranteed. So... I don't know. I'm just intrigued as uh, as the first time coming in, named the starter in training camp already. He's got good weaponry all across the field. Is better offensive line than what he had in Minnesota. He's just got to continue to grow. He's doing from undrafted free agent to full-time starter. Now go get more. Don't stop the growth here and really step up to the plate and be the man that you think that you can be. That's the message that I have for Case Keenum. Absolutely. And if he does turn into a pumpkin... Broncos can get out of it, which is unfortunate because we'll be back on the same spot, but at least you're not tied long-term to a guy that turned out to be a dud. So hopefully, speaking about duds, hopefully this next guy won't be a dud, and we don't need to go too much about his his potential opportunity here because we already talked about it with Tremaine Brock. Another cornerback here, Brendan Langley, and a guy that I honestly was pretty surprised when the Broncos drafted him. My final mock draft in 2017 had the Broncos taking Langley, but not until like the fourth or fifth round, maybe even the sixth round. It was, it was much later. So he was a third round comp pick the 37th pick of the third round, 101 overall, and will be just 24 in October. So still a pretty young guy. And he's had a, an interesting career to date. Very good athlete, you know, long guy, very powerful for his frame as well. I mean, he put up a ridiculous amount of bench reps, 22 bench reps, which is the 95th percentile of all cornerbacks at the combine. So he's a strong guy. He's got long arms, good athlete, but he's been moved around not only from on the football field, but 
universities as well. He started off, he was like a top 25 cornerback recruit out of high school and chose to go to Georgia. And they kind of moved him around a bit too much. They played him at wide receiver, cornerback, and he just never really was able to break through. So in search of more playing time and a more solid role on a team, he transferred to Lamar. And they had him play wide receiver a bit there, but he only had like four catches in his entire career. And where he made his hay, though, was cornerback. And he's big guy, has a good amount of tackles. And honestly, really crazy good number of, again, a guy with ball skills. There was a, a game, he had three interceptions in a row. He had like five weeks where he had an interception in a row. And just pretty good guy there. Still pretty raw, but he had a good career at Lamar, especially his senior season. And he's also very dynamic as a punt returner. He had two punt returns. He was a first team, first conference in both special teams and cornerback. So interesting guy, very raw. We knew that coming in when we drafted him, but I think people are sleeping on Langley, and I, I really like that he's a breakout candidate. I even tend to forget about him as well. You know, I really like the Isaac Yidem pick. So Langley's kind of pushed aside, but I think I think we're wrong to not consider him right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. Um, last year against Oakland, he he struggled big time after Rakeem Talib yanked another chain away from Michael Crabtree, and then they got into a fist fight. But uh, Langley came out; he he struggled. Like you said, he's very very raw. He's got to got to really get into that DB's room. Listen to Joe Woods, who used to be the DB's coach for uh, the Broncos before he became the defensive coordinator. Uh, his footwork is a mess. Uh, he's strong, inconsistent when he punches off the line of scrimmage, and he's not an incredible athlete. But he's so long. He's so long and very flexible. He's competitive at the point of attack. He's got ball skills. I mean, I, I think that if he can really focus on getting his footwork right, getting his hips to be able to loosen up a little bit and turn and run, he's gonna he's gonna offer some potential as a third cornerback. But I don't know. I'm just that was one of the the boomer bust prospects from the 2017 NFL draft that if he booms, it's going to be great. But the bust potential there is so big with this young man. Yeah, I agree. And with how raw he is, even I'm just looking for progress this season. He doesn't even need to win the third cornerback spot. Just give me some progress so that you're improving, getting better and better. And if he can even just be a Kayvon Webster style player where he come, he can be that third cornerback if you really need him to, but is a special teams ace and a guy that the team, you know, you need those type of guys. So I'm, I'm excited for him. His back pedal, like you talked about, his back pedal is high. His footwork is kind of all over. And he has very, very high potential as a press corner. But his tape that I saw at Lamar, it was inconsistent. You know, he either totally killed the guy and rode him down the field and stuck on him, or he whiffed on the press and got out of balance, and the guy was able to beat him rather quickly. And that's what we saw with Michael Crabtree. You know, he tried the press, and he got his hips around, and he missed the press, and it just he got beat. So yeah, it turned ugly quickly. Crabtree went off in that game. I mean, he didn't have the crazy huge game, but he made Langley look like a fool at least four or five different times during that game. It was it was pretty ugly there. Yeah, and about about what we should expect. Langley, I thought looked pretty good in preseason last year, physicality wise, you know, size, everything that you'd want, but basic coverages, nothing too complex from the wide receivers. So this year will be a big indicator for him. We knew he was raw. We knew it was going to take one two years to get him up there, but. That this preseason, he's definitely a guy that I have under the microscope because of the need for the position going forward, how valuable that position is for this defense, and just because I like watching young players. So somebody's going to hopefully step up, and I might be not. It might not be him. Maybe nobody will step up, but 
I think Langley's a guy that many people are sleeping on, and he could definitely be a breakout this year, considering the huge opportunity he has in front of him. Another thing that he's going to bring to this team, right after Kayvon Webster left, uh, there was a big hole as far as the punt return gunner position and, and on special teams. Langley does have enough athleticism that I think that he can probably offer a pretty significant impact in the special teams game, especially as the, as far as a gunner goes this year. And if he can get at least onto the field and make some tackles, keep keep the field position flipped the way it's supposed to, Marquette Kings booming punts all over the place from the sound of it. I think that if Langley can come in and offer some impact on special teams, it's going to be that's a that's going to be a good sign. That's going to be a really good sign. Absolutely. The special teams is the third phase of the game, but if you lose special teams week in and week out, you're going to have a bad time. You know, you got to win two of those three phases every single week. And if you're automatically losing special teams, you're just not going to win. So I'm hopeful at the very least. I agree with you. Special teams is a way that he can make an impact and make a big one this season if he doesn't see the field as much on defense. But I think he's got great potential there. Speaking about potential and guys that, you know, didn't really do exactly what they needed to last season. Another, we just might as well have talked about the 2017 draft class, honestly. Really? Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. DeMarcus Walker, uh, defensive lineman from Florida State. He was the 51st overall pick, going to be 24 in September, and the 19th overall pick in the second round last year. Very, very productive in college, but he was tested very not great (laughs) at the combine. He's a tweener, six foot four, 280 pounds. And when you put him up against defensive linemen who are 300 to 310 pounds, his 40 yard dash is 63rd percentile vertical jump, 52 broad jump, 73, but his 20 yard shuttle, 20 yard split was horrible. His 10 yard split was horrible. His three cone was really bad. Atrocious. Yeah. You can see the three cone on tape too. It's, it's definitely an issue with him, but if you put Walker in a position to succeed, he's, I think he's got a limited role, but if you put him in a position to succeed as an interior pass rusher, I think he can be effective. That said, I still think he was overdrafted by about two rounds. And I get that you're going for statistical here and he's supposedly a pretty hard worker in the locker room, but I, it'll be, it'll be interesting. The big thing for him this season, he's, Going into the season, knowing he's going to be interior pass rusher, he gets to work with Colaire, and he doesn't have the the weight issues. Last year, there were rumors that he had a bout of food poisoning that dropped him to 250, 255, which is way too low to play on the inside. Uh, that, that's just insane. You'd get killed there. So he, he's back up to 280. He says, I'm hoping he can actually get up to 285, 290. Because I think he's he got the a, frame for it. He's, he's got, got the, the frame, frame for it. it. I agree. So we'll see. But moving inside this year, I think is going to be big for him and it's just it's just a better role for him because i mean we do need edge rusher again crazy because now shane ray is out we'll see about jeff holland listeners go check out lance's jeff holland piece that just was dropped while we were recording this podcast with a little promo there unashamed of doing that yeah no problem (laughs) shameless plug there i appreciate it yeah no problem but yeah no walker's got a big opportunity but he's definitely got some competition as well. The defensive line is a, a deep group. We'll see about Clint McDonald. There's some medical questions there. And Adam Gotsis with the the pending legal matter. But Walker's a guy, second-round pick. It's time to put up, and I think he's got a big opportunity in front of him. The, the thing about Demarcus Walker is he's not necessarily the greatest in the running game, but that swim move, that swim move as a pass rusher, he's quick off the snap, gets that swim move in, and he penetrates – amazingly quickly it's it's really fun to watch he does definitely need to get more stout in the running game I don't think I think you're right there he's probably not going to be asked to be on the field on first and second down unless second down's an obvious passing situation or we're two minute drilling it here and 
and the offense is trying to put points on the board going into half or even to maybe try to win the game. But to me, I, I think that being on the inside, being with Kohler, learning the, the way that uh, Bill Kohler is, is as far as he taking guys under their wings and showing them the, the way. I mean, he, look at the work that he did with J.J. Watt. Now, J.J. Watt was spectacular beforehand, and I'm not going to say that DeMarcus Walker can come in and, and be like a J.J. Watt, but as a pass rusher, rotational pass rusher, he's going to be very nice in a NASCAR package. You put him next to Von Miller. You put him next to Derek Wolf. Get Bradley Chubb on the other side. Shane Ray, when he comes back healthy in there as well, there's going to be just a, a crazy amount of rotation at the pass rusher. And I think that's where DeMarcus Walker is going to is going to have his biggest niche this year. Yeah, my biggest issue with him is for the Broncos playing that one gap scheme, you really need guys that have great explosion forward. And those are the guys that really catch my eyes with ball. I mean, I definitely have a type when it comes to defensive line prospects. I like the guys who are just explosive off the snap because when I see the best ones in the NFL – not many of them have issues with leverage, and they aren't slow out of their stance. You know, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, uh, Taven Bryan last year, Chris Jones even. Those are guys that are very, very strong initially off the ball, and I don't see that with Walker. He's That could be potentially an issue of usage at Florida State. He played like 90 to 95% of the snaps and would wear down as the games would go on, so that's definitely a potential reason for it. But it's, it's an issue. And then when you add that to leverage problems where he tends to stand up out of his stance and get concede ground, almost all run plays, that's a problem. And also, again, the agility is very poor. His ability to change direction is just, I don't see it on tape. So let him attack. Let him get forward. Let him be that three technique in sub packages, dime packages. Although he's going to have to fight with Shelby Harris for that. So we'll see. But Oof, Shelby Harris, that's... Uh... That's going to be one of my more favorite articles to do. I'm probably going to do a film room analysis on Shelby Harris coming up here in the next couple of weeks if I can get the opportunity to. He doesn't get yeah, enough love it, right now. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. That Hey, we should have put him on this list. I feel like he broke out last year. Just nobody talked about it. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so if he puts it up this year, though, it's it's time to take notice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we did have some honorable mentions as well. Like we said, we didn't want to do any rookies, but we did talk about like Deshaun Hamilton and Josie Jewell being some guys. But again, we've talked so much rookie on this podcast recently that we tried to make it some other guys. Uh, Carlos Henderson, you know, just due to time, we couldn't get to him. Connor McGovern, same thing. A guy who's been getting some positive publicity from the coaches has been uh, Cyrus, Cyrus Kuanjo, who's kind of been a journeyman from Buffalo. And he's very early second round pick. He's got great potential. He just never really was able to get it all together had that bizarre incident last offseason where they found him buck naked, hallucinating in some field and some like farm field in Northern New York. Just absolutely crazy. I guess that's what happens when you're part of Bill's mafia. You jump into uh, well, tables. <laughs> he got, had a little too much drinky drinky. Apparently. I don't know if it was drinky drinky. I think it might've been something a little bit more hallucinogenic. Uh, but. You're, you're, I don't know. I, I never heard if he failed a drug test or anything following that, which you would think that the league would have mandated something like that. I mean, you're standing out there hallucinating naked in a cornfield somewhere in northern New York in the middle of winter. You would think that the, the league would have stepped in and maybe done something about that. But I don't know. I, I, I like the potential with Quanjo. He's I liked him at Alabama. Him and his brother, Ari, were were really dynamic one-two left guard, left tackle combo. So, I, I think Kwanjo can be a pretty decent swing tackle for the Broncos. Yeah, definitely some potential there. Some left tackle potential as well. Yeah. Uh, Austin Trailer, another guy that we've talked about on here, a guy that I think is right now, he's the guy that I have penciled in for tight end two for the Broncos, and I think he could make Andy Janovich expendable. 
And then another defensive lineman, Clinton McDonald, he had a very productive year at Tampa Bay. And I think he could break out, especially when you're playing between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And if Shane Ray comes back, we'll see uh, Shaq Barrett. So those interior guys, you have a chance to eat. When you got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and DeMarcus Ware coaching you and Bill Collar, I mean, gosh, talk about a great opportunity. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this pass rush is going to be stupid fun to watch, man. I'm, I'm pretty excited, dude. Yeah, and if the interior guys don't live up to expectations or the opportunity in front of them, then this is going to be the Take Defensive Line Early in 2019 podcast. Because Oh, yes, it will, because that <laughs> 2019 interior defensive line class is ridiculous, dude. Yeah, it's dumb. incredible. Incredible. It's, one, it's probably the best one I've seen. Oh, yeah, so, in, in a your, long time anyways. Yeah, no, in, insane. A lot of different guys, a lot of different fits, and I just – I think interior pass rush with edge rushing, you know, getting pass rush with that front four along with a, either a solid quarterback or a good offensive system overall on the other side. That's how you win football games. Yep. So get Von Miller help make everybody else that much better synergy. That's the word. It's a business class here. We're talking about synergy. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of building the Broncos. You can find Lance on Twitter at Lansing 2009 and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle, a new to 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers' articles not just related to the draft and building the team, but all things Denver Broncos. Like we already talked about, Lance just dropped a Jeff Holland film room, which I am excited to look at. I gave it a quick skim earlier, but I'll probably give it a deeper dive once this podcast is in. And you got you said you want to do some Shelby Harris work as well. Yeah, uh, thinking about doing a, a couple more of the deep dive fill of, film analysis on some of the, the lower-end guys on the roster. Uh, want to try to get away from the draft prospects as much as possible. I did have a Josie Jewel one a few weeks ago that came out. Go but, Hawks. Uh, Shelby, say what? <laughs> go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks, he says. Go Hawks, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding me about how I fell in love with Josie Jewel as he beat up Josh Allen all year. Yeah, that was My a pokes that got was smoked. Game. My <laughs> pokes got smoked. Don't lie to me, boy. <laughs> but uh, anyways, no, I, and for the VIP guys, I'm probably going to do Shelby Harris. I want to do Tremaine Brock's uh, – film review is from some of the stuff that he was putting on tape when he was in San Francisco and was playing really well. Um, and then other than that, I'm, I'm kind of working on probably here in just a few minutes after we're done with this, I'm going to work on doing an AFC West wa- uh, roster preview and what it could potentially mean for the Broncos chances to win the AFC West this year and get back into the playoffs. So that'll be a, a four piece segment over the next month leading up into training camp. So what you got coming up, Nick? I definitely have some more positional breakdown stuff because that's what I like to do. Okay. So talk defensive line, talk tight ends, talk wide receivers, probably honestly, probably going to do some cornerback work next because this cornerback three stuff has me sweating as you could probably tell. Yep. Yep. I'm tired of sweating over quarterback. I, that's way too big picture. I'm at a nitpick now. So cornerback <laughs> Nip, three's it. Get, get to the, get to the lower end of the roster and, and try to find out if we've got any major holes anywhere. Tight end, tight end. I'm telling you that tight end position scares me. I like Jake, Butt though he's, He's one of my favorite favorite incoming guys that we've got. I know he's not a rookie, but that that impact that he's going to have on the tight end position, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. I really would like to see someone like Antonio Gates or or another veteran presence come in and show Hireman and Trailer and and Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli get all those guys uh, kind of a a torch to pass on to. You know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we need a Virgil Green. I mean, as crazy yeah. as that sounds, we need a Virgil Green. Yeah, he's with uh, San Diego, so we'll see what happens with him. Or not San Diego. Gosh, I'm always going to do that. The Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, and so. he's actually going to get an opportunity now that Hunter Henry uh, is out for the season with a torn ACL, too. So there is that. Maybe Virgil Green can take advantage of this opportunity and 
if you if you truly know me on social media and on other forums around the internet, I am not a Virgil Green fan. Yeah. Yeah, he's just he just is what it is. He's a limited guy. He can block in there, but he's not going to be dynamic in any way. He's just going to go out there and do his job. He's the guy that he's out there and you're always looking to replace, but you just can't seem to shake him. There's there's yep. always those type of guys, you know. Yep. So, but he's going to be a vested veteran, so good good for him. Yeah, fifth yep. round pick. He's done it. <laughs> You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all of our great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at MyHuddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you fellow Bronco fans. For Lance Anderson, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! Go Broncos! Mile High Huddle!